<laughs> okay, last week we didn't have a shear because of the snow, but I want to just remind you of two psukim that, um, from last week's parashah, they're not on the sheet. Um, they're, they're an issue that you might be concerned about in learning these stories of Yitziat Mitzrayim is what exactly is the position of Moshe Rabbeinu? Like he seems to, he himself seems to be interested in uh, losing the job. He's not that interested. He has various arguments, but they all amount to the same thing, which is that he doesn't really want the job that God is imposing upon him. Now, we, we find that a difficult idea, that you know, somebody would refuse a divine demand to take a position. For us, that's a little bit, a little bit hard. Um, but there are other examples. You know that, uh, that Yonah, Yonah the prophet, he didn't want to do what God told him to do. Yirmiyahu Anavi also didn't want to take up the, the position that God offered him. Now, when it comes to both of those prophets, Yirmiyahu and um, and Yonah, uh, one might argue that they they thought that it would be bad for the Jews somehow. First of all, Yirmiyahu uh, didn't uh, wasn't so happy with the idea that he would be the prophet of the destruction of the temple. That was not like a job that he looked forward to. And Yonah, as you may remember. Uh, let Chazal say that Yonah was afraid that if the Ninvites accept um, the divine demand that they should do tshuva, it would make B'nai Yisrael look bad because B'nai Yisrael, the prophets, were never able to convince the Jews that they should do tshuva. So there is this, uh, there is this issue that uh, exists with Moshe Rabbeinu and it's not quite the same, it's not quite the same for Yirmiyahu or for Yonah. So if we, we think about it, I say, what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to do? I mean, all of his arguments seems, seem, uh, if not um, uh, silly, uh, they just don't fit in with our conception of what a conversation between a man and God might be like. So you know that in last week's parasha, again, the, what we didn't, what we were not able to learn together, uh, after the, after the sneh, right, the burning bush, and Moshe Rabbeinu receives this appointment from God, you're going to be in charge of taking B'nai Yisrael out of, uh, out of, uh, you'll be in charge of taking B'nai Yisrael out of, uh, out of Eretz Mitzrayim. So he says in Perik, it's in Perik Dalit, Perik Dalit Pasuk, uh, one second, Pasuk Yud. Vayomer Moshe El Hashem, Bi Adonai, Lo Ish Tvarim Anochi Gam Itmol Gam Vishil Show. One second. Vishil Gam Meaz. Moshe had some kind of, a, of, of an issue. He says, Bakasha, he turns to God, and he says, Lo ishtvarim anochi, Lo ishtvarim anochi. I'm not known for my speaking ability. Lo ishtvarim anochi. Now, 
the use of the word Anochi in the Pasuk is not explained by Rashi. But it, it strikes you as being curious. Well, how does Anochi, why, why did he say Anochi and not say Ani? After all, we know that the Aserta de to begin with the word Anochi. And since that time, uh, you wouldn't use the word Anochi easily. Was it like an obvious word? You would say Ani. That's the way, you know, you would do it. Now, it may be uh, grammarians might say this was an earlier form and a later form and that was before Matan Torah. And, you know, whatever. Still, the word Anochi in that sentence, right? The Lo Ishtvarim Anochi. And then the Pasuk says, I'm, I'm sorry, I think this is on the sheet. I'm, I'm uh, here. B, you see the, the sheet. Take a look at the sheet. I'm sorry. Be Adonai lo ishtrei manochi gam itmol gam nishushom gam me'azda berchal avdecha kikvat peh v'chvat lashon anochi. So I don't know. So what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Akadosh Baruch Like, like you may not know that I have a, a physical blemish. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to speak. I mean, what is he saying exactly? God was promised Moshe Rabbeinu, who just, he was at the burning bush, right? Burning bush means it burns, but it doesn't get consumed. That's a miracle, isn't it? That shows that God is, is in charge of things. And here's uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, excuse me, I just want to remind you that I stammer sometimes when I talk. I mean, it's, it's a non sequitur. It, it doesn't mean, it, it can't mean that, at least. You know, you don't want it to mean that. And then, he says uh, this language. See the pasuk. So Rashi says, if you look at the Rashi, I'm, I'm reading the Rashi. You see Rashi mm-hmm. under the pasuk. Lamadu shekol shivat yamim ayakadish bochu mifate et Moshe basne leilech b'shlichuto. That for seven days. God tried to convince Moshe Rabbeinu to uh, to accept this challenge. You know, while they were at the at the snare, So he says it's hidden in the pasuk. three times. So that's three. Plus three is six. Raishisha. Vehu aya omeid biyom ashvi'i shamar lo abalozot od shalachna biyad tishlach ad shecharabo vekibel alach. So seven days. This is what Rashi says. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, an interesting Rashi. How would you say? What is Rashi dealing with? What problem is Rashi dealing with? Too many words in the pasuk. Too many words. So, so what is it? Gami tomorrow, gami shulshom, gami azda berchal avdecha. You have to say yesterday, two days ago, and from the beginning when you started talking to me, I've always been a kvadzevakadosh. What, what, what kind of thing is that? The bigger a time includes the smaller time. So Rashi says it's a remez. A remez means that. There's some weird way of looking, learning pshat. What's the weird way? You count the number of extra words. 
and there are three of them. Then you count the number of Gamim, and there are three of them. And then you count the one other Pasuk when God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, that's seven. So that proves to you that this was going on for seven days, which makes it easier to understand or harder to understand. To me, it's harder to understand. I mean, that God is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu for seven days about this this uh, project that is going underway, that is about to begin called Yitziat Mitzrayim, makes no sense, it makes no sense at all, but you see that Rashi had apparently no alternative, he had no other, because Rashi is a chassid of the idea that the words in the Torah are not extraneous, there are not too many of them, they fit into some, to some idea that is being promoted, right, that's Rashi, that's how Rashi taught us to learn to learn Chumash. So here Rashi says, why does he What do you mean from yesterday, from two days ago, and from, why did you say from the time we started talking? I mean, that would include everything. So there's too many words here. So Rashi says, okay, somehow you get to seven. Then Rashi says, the Kozet, Shalawayaratseli told Gidullah al Aharon. So Rashi now has to explain to us, why Moshe Rabbeinu was opposed to going as a shaliach, as an emissary of God for Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And this is what Rashi says. Listen to Rashi. I'm in the the Cholzeh, it's the third, fourth, fifth, sixth line, after the dot. Sixth line in the Rashi. The Cholzeh, Shelo Hayar Litol Gedula Al Aaron Achiv you see? You see, so that, that Rashi, looking for an issue, says, what is it that was bothering? What was bothering Moshe Rabbeinu? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu is the opportunity of his life. He's going to become the, the head of the Bank of Israel or something. I mean, well, you can say no. I mean, how can you say no? So Rashi says, it was a moral dilemma. What possible moral dilemma could there be for a man standing before God? God says, do it, so there's no moral dilemma. He says, no, but there was his relationship with Aaron HaKohen, his older brother. He knew, apparently, that that was the, those were the two candidates. It could either be Moshe, Rabbeinu, who would take the Adam Mitzrayim? If not, there would be Aaron Cohen who would take the Adam Mitzrayim. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to usurp the primary uh, honor, the honor that he was obliged, the kavod that he was obliged to give his older brother, Aharon. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what Moshe, so, so of course, I mean, what is this? He should have some of the qualities of of kingship. I mean, you don't send a a, a, a very unimpressive underling to talk to Pyro. You send somebody who looks good, who sounds good, who's you know like uh, you know. That's what you do. That is what you do. So he says, this is a wonderful pshat. Who would have thought of this except the Ramban? So the Moshe Rabbeinu is arguing with God, not about the shlichut 
per se, not about doing what God wants him to do. He says, I'll do it. Of course I'll do it. But what about this deficiency I have? Can't you fix it? And I've been talking about this for a day, for two days, ever since I saw the the, the uh, burning bush, and nothing has happened. And nothing has happened, and I, I'm, I'm right, aren't I? Aval ta'an, I'm sorry, and so the Ramban turns it around and he says, well, you know why God didn't answer Moshe's prayer? Because he didn't pray. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu was waiting for something to happen and that didn't happen. But now he says, you know why it didn't happen? Because he should have asked for it to happen. He should have davened. Davened to have his uh, limit, his problem fixed. But he did not. Right? He says, since you didn't fix me, then don't tell me to go. How could it be that God would send a person with such a defect to speak to the king of the nations? So that, that whether you see the Ramban, the Ramban lived in a world where there were kings. <laughs> There were kings or kings in Spain or kings in Europe, right? And there, there were kings. And the Ramban, the Ramban, if you remember correctly, in the beginning of Titzaveh, the parasha Titzaveh, at the end of Shemot, the Ramban talks about Big Day Kuhuna, which are described very extensively in the parasha of Titzaveh, right? Gold and linen and white and, and all the different pieces. And, and he says, he says, you might not really know from the description in the Torah what these big day kahuna. Did you ever wonder, you know, you buy those books or they have the, the kids or the kids learn that parasha, you get a picture book and the picture book has like a real Kohen standing there, looks like a refugee from Meishorim <laughs> and they are with some, you know, with some, uh, I don't know, Kabbalistic kind of clothing. Where did they get those pictures from? They got those pictures from Goyim, who had this problem of, of illustrating. Where did the Goyim get it from? From kings. They knew what kings looked like, right? They knew what kings looked like on different occasions. And that's where they got it from. The amazing thing, the reason I tell you this, is because the Ramban says, the Ramban in his Perush Allah Torah, in the beginning of the Parashat Tetzaveh, Explaining the words lechavod ulitif eret for for honor and glory. That's what the big day kuhuna is supposed to be. It's supposed to be bigadim of honor and glory. So, uh, how do you know what they look like? So the Rabbi says, "Well, you look at kings. Like you look at the king of Persia in the stories told in Megillat, in Megillat Esther, and then you'll know." you'll know what these clothes look like because they knew about this. 
And in modern times, Hasidim, you know Hasidim, uh, they know about this. And they call the Rebbe sometimes, the one who represents Malchut. Malchut, Malchut is kingship. The Rebbe represents kingship. And so he gets dressed. He gets dressed as a representative of kingship. Now, how does he know what a representative of kingship looks like? Well, you know, in Russia they had a czar, and in Poland they had something like a czar, and in, uh, in, uh, in Budapest they had something else. And they knew. They knew because they knew all these people. They were close to them. So the idea of malchut and clothing makes sense. So I'm telling you all this because I think that the Ramban, on a certain level, it makes sense. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Takarich Bochu, I'm not a schlepper. I'm not going to go to, to, to Paro as a schlepper. And then there's a hidden message here. There's a hidden message. There's another conversation. It's as though God said to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, Oh yeah, I'd be happy to do that, but why didn't you ask? Why didn't you daven to get rid of the kvad peh? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I thought you were going to do it. I thought you were going to do it anyway. So that there is a subtext here about Moshe Rabbeinu, about his relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, about what's going on in history. There is this whole, there is this whole story that, that is being told in the Ramban kind of by the by. Let's go to the next Would source. The Ramban have known the Gospels? Who? Would the Ramban have known the Gospels? Because that's exactly what he says in the Gospels, is the BBC, our religion, literal. That Jesus didn't heal a person until that person begged to be healed. You say you want to be healed? Ask me for healing. Exactly what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, office hours for healing. No, I'm saying you think that I don't know this from that. Well, I don't know if it's a, it's a correct uh, uh, comparison because it was probably a complaint. It was a complaint. Like, how come you didn't heal everybody? Like, if you have this power of healing, so I just go around and, and do it. But apparently, Jesus walked around and was not always in. You know, he was not always healing. It's true about uh, the story of Elisha and Naaman. Mm-hmm. Right? Elisha and Naaman. Naaman came to Elisha with, uh, it was like a big deal. He, he came to Elisha with with uh, leprosy, I guess. So I don't know if that's correct translation, Tzarat. But whatever Tzarat is, um, it seems that throughout the ages it's not unreasonable to compare it to leprosy of some kind or another. Um, uh, the, the, the advantage slash disadvantage that we have today is that every illness has so many sub-categories. You could always say, oh, it's not that or about this. But, but if you forget that, uh, just think in general terms, it's, it's, it's leprosy that he came and he was cured of his leprosy by Alicia. So why didn't Alicia cure everybody in sight? I mean, how come they only did these good uh, miracles? Well, first of all, it may be that the miracles that are recorded in the Tanakh were really exceptional. And that there were other miracles, or other healings that were done that were not so, uh, so popular because uh, different people might have done it. Anyway, I, I, I mean, so I'm not sure. I mean, I'd I, I say that even though I'm ignorant of the particular source. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, Shmoth Perikvav, the, the second source. Boda Beokar O, Shmoth Perikvav, Shmoth Perikvav, 
is, is our parasha. Right? It's the parasha of Aira. There it says, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Bodavel par o Melchizrael, Yishalachet b'nei Yisrael me'atzo, Vedevem Moshe l'fnei Hashem le'mor, Ein b'nei Yisrael lo shamu elai, Ve'ech yishma'eni par o v'ani aral svatai. So here, he doesn't say kvat peh, but he says aral svatai. Aral svatai may be exactly the same as kvat peh, there may be some difference. But Moshe Rabbeinu is still arguing, right, Three chapters later, he's still arguing about this job that God wants to impose upon him. And he's, according to the Ramban, he's saying that I still, I mean, I haven't changed. I'm the same. And I'm not worthy of going to Paro. Not because it's not going to happen, but because you don't send, you don't send a person with a physical defect to talk to the king of, of Egypt. The next pasuk, by the Be'er Hashem and Moshe Leimor, Ani Hashem, the Be'er Par O Melch Mitzrayim, Et Kol Hashem Nidover Lecha, he reiterates the fact that he has to do it. By Yovel Moshe Ne Hashem and Yarav Svatayim, Ve'Kishma Elai Par O. Again, Arav Svatayim. So Rashi says, Rashi says Arav Svatayim. Rashi says that he kind of is covered up or Allah is a covering, uh, something that covers something else so in the body is called an orla. You could, uh, the, the, the Chumash calls a person who doesn't understand orla life, a person whose heart is kind of covered up and he doesn't really, he doesn't really get it. So Arasvatayan means that your mouth is somehow covered up, like light covered up, and you can't express yourself, you can't express yourself so well. Uh, so Rashi, that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. Uh, okay, the third source. Perek Zion. Vayom Hashem HaMoshe, Rei Netaticha Elohim Leparo, V'aron Achicha Yenivyecha. So this is the Pshara. This is the ultimate Pshara, which we can bring back to, to, um, to the position of the Ramban. What did the Pesach say? You'll go, and Aaron will go with you. Aaron will speak, you will talk to Aaron, and Aaron will speak to the to Paro. And that will solve the problem, because then the spokesman who speaks to Paro will not be the one who is a cripple, but it will be Aaron, who is in good health, and looks good, and sounds good. He will do that. However, the recipient of the message will be Moshe Rabbeinu, who will then pass it on to Aaron, who will then speak to, to Paro. Aaron, achicha ye nivyecha. Atat edaber kol asher atzaveka, v'aron achicha yedaber Paro. V'shilach et v'nei Yisrael me'artso. So you see, again, that the Ramban is vindicated somehow. Moshe Rabbeinu accepts this pshara. Accepts this pshara. So, so if he didn't want to do it, so he would have run away, like Yonah ran away. But he, it's not that he didn't want to do it. He did not, he was not willing to represent God as a cripple. He wanted to represent God, but he wanted to be whole. And since he didn't daven, according to the Ramban, since he didn't daven for to be cured, he wasn't cured. But on the other hand, he had this feeling that he owed Aaron a um, 
a moment of honor and glory. He was the older brother. And so Aaron Akoin got that. He got the honor and the glory because he became the representative of Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to, not only the representative of God, but the representative of Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? Uh, look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Kitargumo, Unculus, Meturgemanach. He will translate for you. He will translate for you. And that's what Nevoah always means. It means someone who is making an announcement to the people and, and uh, uh, telling them about how they can improve and what they've done wrong. And, and that's, the, that's the position. That's what the, what the word means. Second pasuk, you see pasuk better. Rashi atat daber. Pam achat kol shlichut shlichut kefi sheshvatomi pif. You will speak each time you go to Paro. You'll say what you heard from me. Varona chicha yam leitzenu. That means he will translate v'yat imenu v'aznei Paro. Make it comprehensible to the ears of Paro. So we have like a whole new idea. We have a whole new idea with which we have to thank the Ramban. And that new idea is that there's another kind of conversation going on. It's not about the fact that Moshe didn't want to do what God instructed him to do, but Moshe felt that he could not represent God properly because he was, in fact, physically uh, physically blemished. And so finally, the resolution of this argument between God and Moshe Rabbeinu is that Moshe Rabbeinu wins because Aaron Cohen gets a, a position which looks to the public to be even superior to the position of Moshe Rabbeinu. And God says, but the message that will be given to Paro by Aaron Cohen will come from heaven to, <coughs> to Moshe Rabbeinu who will then pass it on to, to Aaron. So this pshara. I call it a pshara, it's not, it's not called a pshara in the Ramban, but I, this pshara satisfied all the positions that the Ramban mentions. Notice, notice, the Ramban's pshat is based on this continuing reading of the Torah, which certainly the Ramban was able to do. But there is another way of looking at it. And that's the Svatanet that I have here. Svatanet. It's a parashat shemot, tafresh lamed alf. Right? You know that Tzvatamet is divided parashiot and years. The years he said whatever he said at Chalashidit. The Tzvatamet would speak at Sudash Lishit in Gur. Right? It was named Guru Kalavari, it was called. I don't know how many Gerach Hasidim know that Kalavari is Calvary. But, but, that, that was, uh, you know, like a, a joke in history, I guess. Uh, or, but that's what it was. That was the place that they went to when living in Warsaw for the Rebbe and those close to the Rebbe became impossible. Because, you know, they were always, uh, always fighting, the Jews, that is, are always fighting with other Jews who, who claim superior um, holiness. And uh, so they would they would tell on them. And since all the Rebbe's, all the Rebbe's in Poland and 
in Russia, in Ukraine, and Russia were all guilty of um, laundering money. You know what that is? Laundering money? They were all guilty of laundering money because the way you gave charity to Eretz Israel was you brought the money to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe had connections and was able to exchange it for Turkish whatevers. Whatever. What do Turks have? Lira. Lira? So they were able to change it for Turkish lira, and then they would send it to Eretz Yisrael, which was controlled by Turks, and and that currency was usable. They couldn't send rubles or jwotes or etc., to, to Eretz Yisrael because they, nobody would take them. So the Rebbe, I mean, maybe not the Rebbe personally, but his, his next in command, you know, they became this big bank for, for exchanging money. So if you wanted to get the Rebbe into trouble, all you had to do is go to the police and say, the Rebbe, he's got all kinds of money in his, uh, in his drawer. And the assumption was that he was, uh, laundering the money, which he was. Which he was doing, but he was doing it for charity. And uh, the, the, the rules were that you shouldn't do it because it's not good for the country's economy. Anyway, so that's the... So the Gera Rebbe, for a variety of reasons, he was the second Gera Rebbe to Svatamet. Right, the first Gera Rebbe is called the Chidushi Orin, Rav Yitzhak Meir, Alter, his son died, and his grandson, who studied with him, with the grandfather, brought up, he was brought up by his grandfather, he became the second Gerarebbe, he was, he's called the Svatamet. And his son is the one who came to Eretz Yisrael, the Imre Emes. The Imre Emes. The what? Zilam buried by the Shuk. Yeah, he was buried. Uh, there's a little graveyard by it's the shore. Yeah. Also, uh, also the Zvila Rebbe, right? Is buried there. Who? There's a reason. There's a famous historical reason they couldn't get. There was a war going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So listen to what the Svatimet says. I'll just open up the, the abbreviations. Mashimo. Since the Moshe Rabbeinu, after this conversation in Perik Dala, it says, uh, what will I say if they ask me what God's name is? What should I say? And so, you know, there's an answer, which is a little hard to understand, but it's there. V'chakach, v'chakach, me'em b'shlichut, and he said, use this as an excuse not to take on the job, because he said, what am I going to say if they ask me what God's name is? And he didn't want to go. He saw from the answer that God gave him. Remember God said, I care, that you somehow, there's some mysterious name that you could tell them, and they'll, they'll know that. He says he knew that there was a problem. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that there was a, this was going to be a very difficult, a difficult um, job. Moshe Amar. 
Mi Anochi. Remember Mi Anochi? The first Pasuk? The first Pasuk that we, uh, that we read, which is Pasuk, uh, Pasuk 11, Pasuk 9, 10. He says, Mi Anochi. Bamegosh ki Hashem Yitbarachuk tiyach Anochi a'alcha. After all, God promised, I will, Anochi, God, will go up with you. Veratza Moshe Rabbeinu lechiyot, liyot Hashem yitbarach ba'atzmo ha'go'er. Vim haya kein, haya gulam yad, velo haya kishui ha'avara yoter. What? Avoda yoter. V'chatav ki otsi perish rashi ma'ra yod Yisrael le'gu'ula. V'chi Moshe Rabbeinu olav ha'shalom diber sarah Yisrael. Hello, masar nafsho alechad. Could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu said it's nothing bad about today Yisrael? It all he he gave his life for them. His whole all the time. Avolamah she'ena gu'ula yechol diyot raka yedei Hashem yitbarach atzmo. When they started screaming about how difficult it was, and I'll, I'll tell you what, the, what this all means. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, what do you need me for? What do you need me for? What am I going to do? You, the, the, redeem them. Take them out of Israel. He said to HaKadosh Baruch this is the time that you, that you can take them out of Israel. I don't have to wait. We don't have to have Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu has nothing to contribute. There's nothing to, nothing to do with all this. Remember the first question we asked, we started talking today about Moshe Rabbeinu. Like, what was his job? What was his job? So Moshe Rabbeinu says to the take them out of Mitzrayim. What do you need me for? What do we have to do with it by steps? What do we have to have all these makotas? What do we have all this misery and people feeling good about themselves and not feeling good about themselves? What do we need that for? So the answer is, the answer is this, that when HaKadosh Baruch promised Avram Avinu that B'nai Yisrael would be enslaved how many years were they supposed to be enslaved for? 400 years. And if they had been enslaved for 400 years, the redemption would have been automatic, as per the promise to Avram Avinu. But in fact, how many years had they been enslaved? 210. 210 years, which is uh, about half the amount of time that was necessary. And therefore, what was the problem that existed after 210 years that B'nai Yisrael may not have been worthy of redemption? You know the Chazal say that B'nai Yisrael were the Memtet Sharei Tumah, right? In the 49 gates of impurity that they were, had become, they had literally become idolaters. And when they took that with them to Har Sinai, they, they couldn't help themselves but build the golden calf. 
they were under the influence perhaps of the Erev Rav, of that mixed group of people who came out with them. But the influence worked. They accepted that. So that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, they're not ready for Geulah. You have to make them ready for Geulah. That's what they need the Manhig for. And that's why there's going to be, we're going to have uh, uh, the Ten Plagues, which starts next week's Parsha. We have the next, the ten plagues, and what are the plagues? The plagues call into question your dependence, your faith in the promise to Avraham Avinu, because the plagues don't work. They see Moshe Rabbeinu going to Paro and say to Paro, okay, and Paro says, just stop the plague, don't do anything. They stop the plague, and Paro says, no, I changed my mind. In other words, what B'nai Yisrael see again and again, that Paro does not accept the plague, the punishment, as being conclusive. Adirava, as long as Paro thinks he can turn it off, he's not going to let the Jews go. Now within that kind of situation, Moshe Rabbeinu has to encourage them to maintain their faith. If they maintain their faith, that in the promise, faith, I'm talking about bitachon, right? Not, bitachon means you have faith in the promise, in what God said would happen. And that faith in the promise was something that Moshe Rabbeinu had to work on. Because Paro said yes, that Paro said no, that Moshe Rabbeinu had to go and explain it to the people that we're on course, that everything is fine. But you know that at the end of the parish of Aira, at the end of the parish of Shemot, Suddenly, uh, the people have to work harder. They don't get as much straw. They come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they don't say, you're taking us out of the tribe. They say, since you showed up, everything is worse. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu's job was. To make them see that the plan that God had instituted for them was working in spite of the setbacks. And so that's the Svatavet. The Svatavet says, why did Moshe Rabbeinu want to leave? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu want to deny this position? Because he wanted God to redeem them instantly. At that very moment, he wanted to subvert the process. Because the process implied great pain for all, all people involved, but even for Am Yisrael who expected every time, every stage of the way to be redeemed, to be released, to, to, to be on their way to, to Har Sinai to get, to get the Torah. So, so uh, this conversation, this is the conversation that Moshe Rabbeinu had with HaKadosh Baruch Hu protesting his, uh, his job. So if you look at the Ramban, the Ramban says, the Ramban says that Moshe Rabbeinu saw that God was not willing to cure him in an instant, to make him into another person who could stand up for Paro. He, had, he remained the same Moshe Rabbeinu with the same inadequacies, and those inadequacies, and those inadequacies would, would lengthen the process, would make it more difficult for Paro to give in. And Paro didn't give in. Paro never gave in, right? Even after they leave the tribe, Paro comes chasing after them with his armies based on the assumption, the assumption Paro had that God was strong in the cities, but maybe not out in the rivers where uh, where Egypt was was strong. And so the Svatemet, 
Mitzvah Demet says that there is a hidden discussion here. And that hidden discussion was about the readiness of Am Yisrael to be redeemed. Can they be redeemed or do they have to go through a process? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I am not like God. I can't promise that I could redeem them. And God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the job. The job is they're not ready to be redeemed yet and you will make it possible for this redemption to happen. How are you going to make it possible? You can explain to them that, that the, the, the ups and downs in reality, the changes of the spirit of the, of the community um, is not what affects the divine promise. The divine promise is in place and it will be kept and it's going to happen. However, you have to also recognize that you have to be worthy of moving the divine promise up from 400 years to 210 years. And you, Moshe Rabbeim, are going to be the one to teach the people, to explain to them, to make it possible for them to do this Yitziat Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeim didn't want that job, meaning, according to Svatimet, Moshe Rabbeim wanted God to redeem them immediately, to make him a redundancy. I love that word. To make him redundant. And, and, and Akadosh Baruch said, it can't be. They're not ready for redemption. If they want to have advanced placement on redemption, they need a leader who will be able to explain to them what is really, what is really happening. Okay. Have a good shot.